Welcome back everybody, this is Mark Ritter. Today I'm going to talk about the power of narratives and how they influence our decisions and ultimately carve out the path that we choose to embark on in our lives. Human beings since the dawn of our existence have been creatures that have been guided by belief systems, by fate, by mutual cooperation. Yuval Noah Harari talks about this in his book Sapiens, as the defining characteristic that was able to lead human beings to become the most dominant species on the planet. As a species, Homo sapiens were able to coordinate with each other under frameworks of trust, belief, the idea that you could help me if I help you, or even that we advance towards a common goal by helping each other is something uniquely inherent to our species. Human beings also have a tendency towards abstraction. This inherent dogma gave rise to religious and other institutions over the course of human history. The tendency towards abstraction exists at the individual level as well. What I mean by that is that most of our interpretation of reality is composed of simultaneously comparing what we experience with the internal representations that we have crafted since the beginning of our lives. We're composed of beliefs that we've adopted. And just like religion, a tendency toward belief is an inherent part of the human condition. Your life ultimately becomes the story that you tell yourself. There are good beliefs about yourselves and there are maladaptive beliefs about yourself. If you have unrealistic ideas of your own abilities and you keep pursuing something that is not in line with your own strengths, it will lead you to misery, failure, and down a path that leads nowhere. I think this might also contribute to what a lot of people refer to as people who are roaming in life with no goals in mind. And the lack of clarity perhaps results from not having been in the right place at the right time or tried out the right things to know what qualities really resonate with you. In other words, what really excites you. So as a coping mechanism, more or less as a avoidance strategy, people use beliefs to comfort themselves. And what I mean by this is that we get addicted to an ideal of what we could be like. This ideal could be somebody who virtuously helps others. This ideal could be somebody who has become happy, wealthy, and healthy. More importantly, the beliefs that we have influence our values. Most of the values that we adopt are inherent to belief systems that are rooted in our culture. If you're from the United States, a belief in individual hard work and discipline finds itself tacitly rooted in society. If you come from Europe, especially Germany, this type of belief system is not as ubiquitous within a culture predicated on a social system that ensures things like healthcare and education for all. I mean, think about it. If you're older than 27 in the United States, you're aged off of your family health care plan and you're forced to work in order to receive health care. There's no other option. It's really entrepreneurial in that regard that it's all left up to you to craft out how rich you become, how you're able to support yourself. 
If you're suffering from a sense of nihilism due to a lack of meaning, it's implicit to believe that life has no meaning at all. However, nihilism is a belief system, and just like all others, you need to consciously ask yourself why you have chosen this one in particular. The idea of nihilism is that life has no meaning at all. This can stem from one of two paths, a psychotically depressed person who has no future vision for themselves, or a person who simply believes that there is no meaning to the madness that we call life. The problem is that the latter might think he engages in a sort of moral atheism, yet every choice that he makes in his career, in his relationships, in life in general, is predicated on a system of beliefs that are deeply ingrained in him. I'm going to offer a variation of Pascal's wager here and say, it's better to believe that there is meaning in life than no meaning at all. For if there is no meaning in life, then what have we lost? But if we do believe that there is meaning, we can move closer to self-actualization. It's easy to become nihilistic in today's society. The internet offers a perverse form of absurdism amidst the news of a Russian invasion in Ukraine, 8% inflation rate, massive homelessness and opioid crisis, rising income inequality, and, oh yeah, a pandemic that has created a variety of mental health disorders that we are now collectively suffering from. Nihilism is the easy route to go when everything seems fucked. But nihilism is also a nail in the coffin, a fatalistic admission that there's no point in trying since all hope is lost. This is why the negation of meaning is so automatically felt in times of crises and mental anguish. It is extremely destructive at the individual level. We don't get to choose the hand of cards that were dealt. A friend of mine told me yesterday a story about a promising young law student who was doing an internship at a law firm in Chicago. And on his way home one day, he was hit by a stray bullet in the neck. He suffered the infinitesimally small chance of getting struck in the neck by a bullet on his way home in the train. All of a sudden, this once promising law student is paralyzed from the neck down. He did not choose to be in this situation, but he cannot fight what reality has dealt him. It's only left up to his own volition to really respond to the circumstance. I've talked before on this podcast about painful certainty and living in the comfort zone. And it's no exception that nihilism can be a comfortable belief that requires no further mental effort. It's easy. There's no meaning to life. So what else is there to think about? Painful certainty and living in the comfort zone can lead inevitably to nihilism. Someone who has been in the same job for long enough is afraid of any change whatsoever, subjects themselves to a lack of free will. In essence, there's fear of uncertainty, or more specifically, the fear that they aren't capable of anything else besides the job that they're doing cements their fate to mundane 9-to-5 job that they're stuck in. I heard a similar analogy from Nassim Taleb, who was writing about a McDonald's that he saw at the Milan Central Station. That's Milan, Italy. While he was working on a chapter for his book, he noticed that the McDonald's there had a disproportionately larger number of patrons than the other restaurants. He lamented that it would only be an insult to Italian culture to pay that much money for a plane ticket to Milan only to go to a McDonald's. However, people usually choose the option they're most familiar with, albeit a poor option over uncertainty. For this reason, you choose the familiarity of a Big Mac over the unknown cuisine of a restaurant you've never been to. If you suffer from anxious thoughts or feelings, oftentimes it is your psyche trying to communicate a necessary change with you. The problem is, our unconsciousness isn't able to tell us, you're doing something wrong, you should do X. It can only signal to us that we are doing something wrong. Our primitive minds cannot communicate certainties to us about things we've never experienced. A desire to be or achieve something that we envision is often built upon narratives that we've constructed for ourselves as well. 
Being in a bad relationship or job subjects you to idealizing of a perfect husband or career in the future as a coping mechanism to distract you from current suffering. On the other hand, getting obsessed with an ideal that is untenable can also lead us to constant suffering. The belief that enough introspection will bring you clarity is absurd. Clarity is only brought about by doing many different things, which in effect will subject you to different paths. Carl Jung said that you're an ideation of your future self, which basically means that your future self is calling you into existence. The feelings of regret you feel is a beckoning to change and become someone better. If you choose to live your life according to the narratives you've constructed for yourself, you are subject to all the psychological limitations of the mind. This means that you can only experience the world as far as your anxieties allow. If you don't reveal yourself to others, you will never be able to reveal yourself to yourself. Or, better put by Nietzsche, if you stare long enough into the abyss, the abyss will stare back into you. The abyss here representing our fear of uncertainty. And if we go about our lives avoiding uncertainty and choosing familiarity, it ultimately comes to control us and shape the narratives of our own existence. <laughs>